have a, a tremendous privilege this morning to hear from Todd Wood. Some of you know Todd. He is kind of an institution here in Idaho Falls. Todd was born in December of 1969 in the old LDS hospital that was downtown along the east bank of the Snake River. He graduated from Skyline High School in 1988. He married his high school sweetheart, uh, Christy, in 1992. He and Christy have four kids, and today he is the pastor of the Idaho Falls Rescue Mission, which we, uh, we, we endeavor to support. Um, and also, he's the co-pastor with Warren Cuppy at Providence Downtown Church. And he loves the fellowship of the pastors here. He loves the church in southeast Idaho. Um, as, we, as we attempt to herald the good news of Jesus Christ here in eastern Idaho, you will find Todd Wood rooting everybody who's doing that on, standing in the background cheerleading them. So would you give him a round of applause and thank him for serving us this morning by bringing the word. Thank you. Uh, greetings, brothers and sisters. This is a great church family, Christ Community Church, and, and, and the pastors, uh, Brother Daniel and, and, and Ryan and Patrick and Jeff. They are uh, tremendous brothers. This church is uh, very blessed. And as uh, Daniel mentioned, uh, I uh, minister with the Idaho Falls Rescue Mission, and that's, that's a great privilege for me. Well, actually, to give you a schedule for Christy and I, Christy, can you wave your hand? Put her on the spot, my wife. Yeah, I met uh, The love began at Skyline High School many, many years ago. But we, we leave Idaho Falls at 8 o'clock, typically on a Sunday morning, and go to American Falls and some dear brothers and sisters that we have a worship service and we get in the word at 9.30 in the morning. And then, and then from that time of fellowship, then as we're coming back through Pocatello, it's an 11.30 service with uh, dear brothers and sisters. This would be Seasoned by Grace uh, Fellowship in Pocatello. We meet in the Levitt Center. And, you know, it's, it's, it's different parts of the word that we're in on Sunday mornings. But then as we come back here to Idaho Falls, uh, 4 o'clock p.m., Providence Downtown Church with uh, one, of my, one of my best friends, Pastor Warren Kepi. And, and, and the guys downtown are uh, so dear to my heart. Um, and their backgrounds, their stories, and, and just the love of God and the work that he wants to do, heart transformation in each one of their lives, uh, you know, making them testimonies for his glory, and, and with the ladies at the Ruth House. And, and I just want to say thank you so much, uh, church family, for your uh, prayers and your support to gospel work uh, among those uh, uh, right on the streets uh, in the downtown area. Let me just say, uh, it would be October, Octo no, excuse me, November 29th, uh, 7 p.m. at the Civic Center. It's the Bar J Wrangler. It's their, their final tour, and uh, I'm sure many of you guys have heard them, you know, their cowboy humor, uh, the music, their love for God. So that Monday night, uh, it's $30 a ticket, and I'd encourage you guys to join us, and this is a... Uh, a, a, an event that is a fundraiser uh, for the Idaho Falls Rescue Mission. Let me begin by telling you a, a, just a brief football story. So it wasn't yesterday, 
but it was uh, last Saturday. My youngest boy, he's a civil engineering major, and he's an Air Force ROTC at Texas A&M. Oh, we got some Aggie fans here. Well, <laughs> this story that happened on October 9th, wow, there were 106,813 fans packed. This is the second largest crowd in their history uh, for, for the stadium there on the campus. The Aggies were in a fierce back-and-forth tussle with number one seeded Alabama. And just with two seconds left in the game, the score being 38-38, to 38, it all, all eyes are looking toward Seth Small, the kicker. He's at the 28-yard line. And when he kicks that, it looks like it's going to veer off to the left, but it comes right back in and goes right through the field goal post. And, and that stadium, home of the 12th man, it just erupted in a deafening roar. Well, there's a lot of that throughout the game. I mean, you, you couldn't even hear yourself speak. Sports outlets ran an interesting news title. The wife of Texas A&M kicker, Seth Small, won the college football weekend with this epic celebration. It was uh, the videographer, Cam Worthy. She zeroed in on Seth's wife named Rachel. And when, and when that football you know, went through the post, this wife just literally you know, jumps, you know, clears the wall as she's running right down in that field towards her husband. And I thought this was really good how the news media noted following the game, I mean, how do you capture that night for number 47, this kicker? Well, the media notes following the game Small said he had rate the kick the third best moment in his life. Right behind accepting Jesus and marrying his wife. Now, that, that, that is college football, the college football world on a national level that just witnessed the power of a Christian testimony. This morning... We're going to take note of Paul sharing his testimony. Last week with Pastor Jeff, it was just being broiled right in the midst of false accusations. And Pastor Jeff, I, I thought he did a wonderful job in laying out point by point and how to respond when you're in that situation. He talked about a pastor that takes the high road and never says anything. You know, when and accusations come, I, that's typically me. But Pastor Jeff last week says, stand for the truth and what the real reality of the situation is. Now, Paul, <clears throat> what he shares in this testimony, it took place on... Uh, it took place literally in Acts chapter 9. So I went back through the sermons of the uh, Christ Community Church 
you know, the archives here and, and to see when Pastor Jeff preached. That, when that happened to Saul of Tarsus, and you know what day that was? Easter. Resurrection Sunday, six months ago. Now, this testimony by the Apostle Paul, he's going to bring it up again in Acts chapter 26 when he's standing before King Agrippa. There's Festus, there's, there's King, King Agrippa, his sister, who he, he's having an incestuous relationship with. I mean, it's just a mess. But the opportunity is for him where he can give this testimony before the king. But in this context, I mean, he, he's not like um, our Texas A&M kicker where it's just an eruption of, of applause. He's coming out of just literally being beaten to a pulp. The, 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 the Roman soldiers have to drag him up those stone steps of uh, Fort Antonio, which is in the northwest corner of the temple complex. But, you know, I don't know how he's feeling. Bruises, his face, his body, the, the, you know, the, the, the pain that he's experiencing. And he's like, he wants to address all these men, his persecutors, and he's going he's gonna to do it in the dialect of, of these men, Aramaic. So, man, God give him strength in the midst of weakness. And in this situation where he's standing on those steps and he's, 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 he's moving his arm for the, for, the, for the men to be quiet. And he begins here, number one, how Paul shares the backdrop of his life. So this section here, verses 1 through 5, let me read this to you in Acts chapter 22. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And there's going to be a series of defenses in these upcoming weeks here. This is one of six. Hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the, in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the, of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way. The way. These unique people that are following the one who is the way. And this way of salvation, this way uh, uh, of God, this way of Jesus, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering uh, to prison both men and women as the high priest and the, how, and, the, and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. And they can look back in the Sanhedrin archives. The, the, the modern, well, the, the present high priest is Ananias. It was Caiaphas. From them, I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Now, let me just focus here on back on verse 1, 
where it says, uh, brothers and fathers, the NLT, I mean, it brings out this steam fathers, this, this respect that, that Paul would show here. Here, the defense, the Greek word for defense is apologias. We use that word today, apologetics, when we're given a defense of the Christian faith. And Paul gives a defense, but he's the, he's the new man. Brother Jeff mentioned last week about, you know, in, in rabbinical debates, it is a smackdown. These guys yelling at each other, you know, who's going to be the come out as the victor on top? Is that the way Christians should give a defense? Paul here, his goal is not to wallop them in a theological debate. Simply, graciously, as he's battered on those steps, he's just going to share his testimony. Far, far removed from uh, Claudius Lysias. He's the, he's, the, he's the head guy, the Roman guy. You know, he was the suggestion back in chapter 21 that this guy, Paul, he's this, he's this Egyptian political revolutionary. No, he's far from that. And in the Aramaic dialect, he gives... Uh, I see four things here as a background, backdrop. Number one, he's a Jew, born in Tarsus. Where's Tarsus? You go straight up from Jerusalem through Syria, and then you'll curve along the, uh, the Mediterranean coastline, and there's Tarsus, right above the island of Cyprus. He's born there, a strategic city. And then number two, he's educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel. This is a high respected. He's number one of the rabbis in the day. Very important to Jewish men. That status, that hierarchy. And he's been trained by the top. Follows and, you know, for his, his practice as a Pharisee, just following in, a, in an exact way that ancestral Torah and all those rabbinical teachings uh, of the fathers, just, just in a detailed, exact way. And then last of all, zealous for God in that he persecuted not just men. Didn't matter what gender, gender you were. He was going to take you down. Now, this religious zeal was so fervent that he's going to go all the way to Damascus. And I try to just map that out in an Idaho way. If you were to go from Damascus down to Jerusalem, that would be like 140 miles. So from Idaho Falls, going down through Pocatello, Incom, Malad City, crossing the border into Utah, Tremonton, Utah. That's like the distance. How far would that, how long would that take to walk? You're really hoofing it. I remember I was in a fundraiser. Uh, uh, this is uh, a while back here in Idaho Falls, and it was like how many times you walk around the Idaho Falls track. And it was like, for me that day, it was like 31 miles. And it was like, whoa, I can't believe 125 times around that track. Well, for, for, for these guys, four to six days, 
up there and then back down. This is like a two-week campaign. This guy was all in and a zeal. Now, number two, in this next section here, Paul is he's just going to share, relate how Jesus confronts him. Verse 6, it begins, As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who are with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one, Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. Wash away your sins and calling, calling on his name. So, let's uh, say that this uh, zealous religious leader, Saul of Tarsus, He's making his way from Tremont in Utah, and he's coming right up here. These crazy people of the way. And he's, he, he's got the epistle from the Jewish Presbytery uh, to, to, to haul all of you guys away, to put you in chains and take you back down to Tremont. Well, what happens around noontime, pretty close to Idaho Falls, Shall we? <laughs> it's, he is just engulfed in blinding light. Now, when I was driving here to the church building in the morning, I live on the west side. And, you know, you got those sun visors. I, I didn't even put my sun visor, I didn't even put my sun visor down. Because it was like I'm looking right into that morning sun. It's like, wow. This light, this heavenly doxa, just completely blows away the earth's, you know, or, or the sun's rays towards the earth. Uh, Saul, he's engulfed in this, 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 this glory. I was thinking of the, now as I'm singing here in this second service, I really appreciate the songs that the, the worship team selecting here. 
out of the darkness into his into the glorious day do you remember what that was like out of the darkness into his glorious day well that was, it was like an explosion that just, that just totally blew all of his defensive uh, fortifications. It was a paradigm shift that, that just rocked all of his thinking to, to how he responded, brothers and sisters, in verse 10. Now, I, I don't see that question in, in, Acts, in Acts chapter 9. I don't see it in Acts chapter 26. That, as, that he is... It is like the unclipsing of the resurrected Son of Glory. What that does to a man, any one of us, where you just completely melt in humility, repentance, you know, uh, turning away from all that you rely upon, this one that is before you. And the, and the response here of Saul, and I, and I believe this right here is his conversion. What do I do? What do I do, Master, Lord? Well, as the story goes, the Lord tells him to rise and you know, go there in Damascus and where he was going to be binding the hands of others. Now he is led by the hand, blind, right into Damascus. And there he meets Ananias, this, this devout Jewish man, well-respected uh, by those in the city, this, this divine appointment. And, and there he's healed of his sight. And, and, and how Ananias just confirming about how you know God's will, you've seen the righteous one, you've, you've heard his voice, and, and in response, this is in verse 15, you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Cannot we be that here this week? What have you seen? What have you heard? And to be a witness of that in this, in, in, in this city that is in darkness. Now those last words in this, this section here, the, the urgency, why do you wait? Why do you wait, Paul? Rise, rise, be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on his name. Now, we know that Christian salvation comes by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. Some of the most beautiful words of the gospel are written by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. You don't need to be a seminary graduate to explain, to share the glorious gospel. You don't know, I have to, you know, my undergrad major was cross-cultural missions. But you, 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 you don't have to have years and years of training here and all this background information to share. It's by faith, grace, and Jesus. 
and nothing else. Now, I recently I've been uh, watching some live streams of an evangelist. Uh, this would be the grandson of Billy Graham, William Franklin Graham the Fourth. And by the way, he does have a, a, a son. And what do you think his name is? William Franklin Graham the Fifth. But they call him Quinn. <laughs> but but uh, Will Graham, he's. He's, he's preached the gospel in South Dakota, and then it was in Iowa, and now he's up in Canada. And, and when I've heard him preach the gospel and in invitations, people that would come from their chairs or come up from the balcony, and as they come down in front, he, he has said, as I've watched some of this, you know, how, do you, how is he handling you, you know, uh, this? He, he will say, welcome home. Sometimes there's tears trickling down. Now, he will lead people in a, in a prayer. You know, I just what I, what I feel in my, what I believe in my heart, you know, I'm turning from my sin. I put my faith in you, Jesus. But, but the moment of conversion, it happens could be sitting there right there in your seat or as you're driving in your car or you're, 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 you're laying in your bed and it's like that moment where you're looking away from your sin and you're looking upon Christ alone. That's how the famous uh, preacher, Charles Spurgeon, looking away, the look to Christ. Now what about all this stuff that we do? Driving to church, we put money in the offering plate, um, we, we say prayers, but do all those external actions, is that what saves you? Is water baptism that which saves you? Paul, he, um, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 14 through 17, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus and beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else for Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel and not, not with words of eloquent wisdom. Sometimes I get all worked up. Oh, man, I've got to just say it just right. You know, I've got to have it, you know, all studied out. It's not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. The Apostle Paul was not involved in many water baptisms. And I tend to think that William Franklin Graham IV is not either. So what, if, what is that outward water baptism? It is so closely connected to your faith in Christ. It, it, that outward water baptism, and it's commanded by Jesus in the, in the Great Commission for the disciples to do, uh, it is a picture of that inward washing away of all your sins. Now, a local preacher, 
Pastor Jeff or any one of the pastors here, just like Ananias, would, would say, hey, would you like to be baptized? Be baptized. I like in the bulletin, baptism classes. There's a scheduled baptism coming up. I cannot tell you what a thrill it is for a brother in the downtown area saved off the streets and that water baptism in a public way right there in the Snake River. Hallelujah. The demonstration that you want to be, a, you know, outwardly before others, that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. So, this is Paul. He's all in. All in. Point number three. Paul summarized his testimony with the calling of God upon his life. Verse 17, when he says, When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by, approving, watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Verse 21, notice, notice here the clear calling that's given to Paul. Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Gentiles. The Greek word, ethne. Same word in the Great Commission there in Matthew. All ethnicities. Hmm. What would be an application maybe today? I, I have some awesome brothers in the South. Uh, I, I went to college in the South. Black, black brothers. Now let's say one of my black brothers, he's going to marry a white sister family members son what, 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 what are you doing and then this black brother says you know what family and I want to go to of all places Idaho <laughs> to share Jesus or another illustration that I think of as I drive every Sunday through the Fort Hall Indian Reservation What happens when, when, a, when a Native American trusts Jesus on that reservation? White man's religion? What are you doing? And then this uh, brother would say, you know, family, um, I love you all, but I'm going to go to another Indian tribe on another Indian reservation. I don't want any part, then people say, I don't even want any part of what you're doing. 
Um, or, you know, we think of uh, a Jew in the, this year, 2021, who in Israel, and he converts, he, he believes upon Jesus as a Messiah. Secular Jewish family, what are they going to think? Orthodox Jewish family, he's out. And then it's like, well, I'm going to go share Jesus with Palestinian Muslims. Do we know the heart of God? Do we see that? Here? Not only here, but it's through, it's through, it's through the Old Testament. But when, when that word is spoken, oh boy, everything breaks loose. But God takes care of Paul when all evil breaks loose. Verse 22, it says, up, up, up to this word, they listened to him. And then they raised their voices and they said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the, the, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging. Now, you know, this commander, the garrison, there'd be a thousand soldiers. This guy's the big guy, but he, he didn't understand uh, Aramaic. And with all that's going on, he's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And the way that we get true honesty out of a person, the Roman flagellum would handle all these leather straps. Now, in, 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 in the second letter to the, Corinthian, to the Corinthian church, Paul speaks about five times I was whipped by Jews. It's, you know, the, four, the 40 um, uh, stripes minus one. Five times! Three times he was beaten with rods. One time he was stoned. Now, but Jewish, Jewish whippings is nothing like the Roman scourging. You go through this and you, you might be maimed for the rest of your life. Worse, you're going to die. As, as the torture of this to try to bring out a confession. Well, oh boy. He's going to be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion, this is the leader, this is the soldier over 100 who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? That changes everything. When the centurion heard this, he went to the, uh, to the tribune and said to him, well, what? What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, Yes. And the tribune answered, I, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. And Paul said, I'm a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid. For he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. So, you see in this, uh, uh, this last section of the, 
of, of the chapter. There's shouting, there's throwing out the garments, there's flinging the dust. This is a typical response of you know, these Jewish men and, and responding to blasphemy and, and, and all that they go through here and this. Yeah, it's like, it's like they all went berserk. When Paul said that he was going to go to the Gentiles, Justin Holcomb, I, I, I like what he wrote as a note to this. He said, uh, the gospel Paul proclaims sometimes incites riots. It challenges the livelihood of some. It stirs up fears of antinomianism in others. And here the Jews of Jerusalem are offended that God is concerned with the Gentiles. As soon as Paul mentions God commissioning him to go to the Gentiles, they are infuriated. They want to execute him. This is the scandal of the gospel. The Jews treasured their status as God's people and found it difficult to accept that God was grafting in those from outside their race. God's grace extends to those we we assume are beyond his reach, even to those we despise. Now, I could use maybe one more illustration here of, you know, as Pastor Daniel said, I was born here in 1969, right here in Idaho Falls, right in the old LDS, the LDS hospital downtown. I'm a natural-born Idahoan. Do we have any transplants out here from other states? Do you feel sometimes from the, from the Idahoans? You guys coming in here? Well, you can visit, right? And then, and then, and then. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a freedom-loving Idahoan. And don't, don't you dare change anything that we've got going on here. But, but what if I told all my family, you know what? Um, I love you all. I love Idaho. But I feel like God wants me to share the gospel to those in Socialist Canada. What kind of reactions would you get from Idahoans? What's the heart of God? What was prayed here at the very beginning? All of us going out to all the ethnicities. We're so narrow-minded. We struggle with our prejudices and biases, and we're so strong about things, and God's got to break through. We're citizens of the kingdom that is above all these earthly kingdoms, and how wonderful in Revelation from every tribe God is gathering a people. So application here in the end is to see the heart of God and to be filled with that. And how can we share our Christian testimony this week? You know, we all get that word, how are you? How many times am I going to get that this week? Hmm. What could I share? 
uh, the three points that I have here as I'm, uh, as I'm a part of the people of the way. I am in this way of what Jesus has done in my life in the past, justified me, what he's doing now in my life, sanctifying me, and what's going to happen in the future, at the end here of, of my journey and the way I will be glorified. So, number one, what has Jesus done in the past for you? How can you share that this week and how you are saved from the penalty of all your sin. I am so thankful, Christian people, Christian family, 45 years ago in Idaho Falls told me that there's Jesus in my place taking all the penalty of my bad things. And I knew that as a very young boy. Uh, there was a store on the corner of Skyline and Broadway, Ben Franklin. I remember as a little boy, I stole candy right off the shelf. And I go right out there on the sidewalk, and, and I put my, uh, I'm right up against that mirror thinking I'm hiding from everybody. And it's like, as I'm unwrapping that, stuffing it, <laughs> stealing as a little boy, I needed, I needed Jesus. So grateful that coming all the way out here, this place, Idaho, the message of Jesus. Number two, what is Jesus doing presently for you? Well, you know how this last week was? I mean, I struggled with selfishness. Jesus, save me. I'm struggling with fears. Jesus, save me. Fill me with your peace. Can I share that with people this week? Or do I have to share that I'm the perfect Christian? I got so much to share and a testimony. You do too. And then, you know, so what is Jesus doing presently for you? Saving you from the power of sin. The grip of it. You're no longer under the chains of this. And then number three, what would Jesus do for you in the future? He will save you from the entire power presence of sin altogether. Tell if I can if God brings me up someone in my life this week and saying, you know, it's it's tough right now. Hopefully it's not like the year 2020. You know, let that be far behind us. But you know what? My testimony is that someday I'm going to stand in the presence of Jesus. And every thought and every word is going to be beating in perfect harmony with, with the King. What a testimony we all have to share, brothers and sisters, here in this city this week. And we can worry about the outcome. You know, sharing this here in this place, well, we can trust God, right? We see here in Paul. May God fill us with his heart for those around us, those outside of our circle, the tribes, the other tribes, sharing the Lord. Well, God bless you. God bless you. Now, next week, it's going to be, well, he's, uh, Paul, he's going to stand before the Sanhedrin. Difficult, difficult, difficult.
God bless you. Share your testimony. Share your testimony to others this week. Let's pray. Lord, <clears throat> thank you for uh, just amazing, amazing redemption story here of the Apostle Paul and, 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 and this chapter, Acts chapter 22. And yet it's, uh, the, 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 stories, the stories just keep coming. All of our stories of, of you bringing us out of the darkness into, into the glorious day, the light of Christ here in this, in this city of Idaho Falls. Oh, God, we just praise you. We worship you. And, uh, Lord, uh, we know that uh, the, the, the commission here is not just given a certain people in this city. All of us that know Jesus Christ as Savior, where we've had our sins washed away, open our lips this week. And it might be uh, there's some here that they've got exciting days coming up here where they're going to be baptized, water baptized. Lord, bless them. What an exciting way to declare who they are in Christ. Oh, Lord, we rejoice in your power. We love and worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.